And now, on with the show. Uh, yeah, that was that was really strange. And uh, yeah, we'll get to that. Don't worry. I think it's don't, don't forget of, to bring that up. I think it's uh, just kind of any time that you say priest and kid, there's a weird thing going on between them just as a rule now. I'm really glad I started recording halfway through this conversation. <laughs> yeah. And David is slowly filling in the context. It's good. That's how you do it. That's how you keep people engaged. I'm engaged. Pedophile priests engaging. No, it's a curiosity. You know, it's like, what? What are these guys even talking about? That's wacky. These guys are kooky. I got to listen to the whole episode now. And that's what got the priests into it as well. Yeah. I love hearing about priests diddling kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people are going to think we're talking about doubt or, or what was that? What was the one with Ruffalo? about the the Catholic scandals. We're not talking about that movie. I don't know why I'm bringing it up. Welcome everyone uh, to Weekend Watch. I'm just going to go right into it, you guys. Uh, Yeah, just diving right in. We're going to derail that train and board this one. Uh, Weekend Watch, that's us. Uh, I'm Spencer, your host. Also here with David. That's me, I guess. And Keith. Hi. Our, Our other hosts. What's up, guys? Yo. Are you guys stoked? Are you ready for this episode? I'm pretty excited. These are good movies. Some long movies, but good movies. Yeah, definitely. We're uh, we're talking 1960s movies this week. It is our third volume of uh, of decades weeks. We're moving into the 60s. Uh, one of my favorite eras of, of eras of filmmaking. Hopefully, David enjoyed it better because it's no longer the stupid era. Uh, the stupid ages ended in December of 1986 is sort of officially when we moved out of that era your birthday if you want to recognize that correlation that's up to you um <laughs> so any movie older than you is dumb is that what i'm hearing i guess if, if that's if that's what you're interpreting well i mean you tell me what what it what makes that date special I, if it's you're, you're going around putting interpretations on stuff i, I got no, no word. <laughs> i thought you were gonna come at me with some like gem of cinema that was released in december of 1986 no i'm just going to point out your conspiracy theory mind um just looking at finding patterns in in all the in all the places just unnecessary patterns i see fair enough uh well with that we're going to kick off decades week 1960s edition and david you can go first because why not um well, I uh, I'm not like the biggest '60s film buff, so I just kind of googled stuff. And uh, one thing that I've watched before, just on a whim, this one uh, I have watched before, but I went back and watched it again. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Um, this is uh, the last in uh, a sort of unofficial trilogy uh, called the Fistful of Dollars trilogy. Um, in the Southwest during the Civil War, a mysterious stranger played by Clint Eastwood, and a Mexican outlaw form an uneasy partnership. Uh, Joe turns the bandit in for the reward money, then rescues him as he's about to be hanged. Uh, When Joe's shot at the noose goes awry during one escapade, a furious Tuco tries to have him murdered. The men reteam abruptly, however, to beat out a sadistic criminal and the Union Army to find $20,000 that a soldier has buried in the desert. Um, 
like he said, this movie is long. It's a uh, was it three hours? Yeah, um, just shy of I think yeah. like two forty five or something like that. It's one hundred and seventy seven minutes. It it in and in that it it's impressive that it maintains its tension for so much of the movie. This movie is is just plain fantastic. It helps define an entire genre. Um, I mean it it made the music that makes the kids go wow wow when they fucking do the showdown with their finger guns. You know, this is, it is iconic. It's an amazing movie. 100%. Um, and I think you're hitting the nail on the head what, with why the 60s became like one of my favorite eras of, of film is because I feel like that's when they really hit their stride with the scores. You hear some incredible iconic scores, even just in our six picks here today, but all through the 60s. They really started getting into how to put music uh, to film, and it it really shows. And it this this is an iconic score, like you said. It's the it's what everybody thinks of when when you go western. Yeah, and you know it's Ennio Morricone, um, Italian composer. He's legendary for composing film scores in this time period, especially westerns. Like God, yeah. Uh, his work with with Sergio Leone, the director of of the movie. Um, who also pioneered not just Westerns because Westerns have been around forever. Right. But he did the spaghetti Western, the right. very distinct subgenre of Westerns, you know, that were made yeah. in Europe that were made by these Italian directors. Um, I mean, he was the the godfather of that, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's iconic. Like I said, it's, it's probably the, the, the opus of spaghetti Westerns. It's fantastic. Probably, I would, yeah, that's that's a pretty safe state. And, and if you haven't watched the trilogy, definitely check it out because the other movies movies are great too. Uh, Fistful yeah, of Dollars, dollars is yeah. incredible. Unfortunately, and, uh, this is the, more one. the other one. Yeah, unfortunately, this one's the only one streaming right now. Um, yeah, uh, I didn't. And this is the most mention, known for sure. Um, I didn't mention yet; it's on Prime. So cool. That's what I like about doing these decades weeks is we can kind of touch on a bunch of different subgenres of film all at once it's nice yeah and the history behind them it's good stuff it's a great movie go watch it it's on prime great Enjoy. effects like they were hitting the the special effects the acting is top notch the shots are top notch this is just a plus all around yeah critics agree 97 percent of critic and audience score for on t- rotten tomatoes for this movie yeah um i mean clint eastwood how do you get better than clint eastwood Seriously. Like. 60s, 70s, 80s, Clint Eastwood, not not 2016 Clint Eastwood <laughs> talking at a chair. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. Um, I'll go. I'll go next. My first pick for 1960s decade week is the classic uh, The Graduate. Uh, the Graduate, uh, 1967, starring Dustin Hoffman. Um, it's, God, it's probably another it's one of my favorite movies that came out of the 60s because it's kind of subversive uh, i'll read the synopsis first benjamin braddock has just finished college and back at his parents house he's trying to avoid the one question everyone keeps asking what does he want to do with his life an unexpected diversion crops up when he is seduced by mrs robinson a bored housewife and friend of his parents but what begins as a fun tryst turns complicated when benjamin falls for the one woman mrs robinson demanded he stay away from her daughter elaine um yeah, I love it. It's it's a really good kind of subversive comedy. Um, it kind of takes the 
accepted, you know, mainstream society trope. You know, it's, he's an upstanding kid, just graduated college, uh, and kind of turns it on its head and, and is at its core, I think, a counterculture movie. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I love it. The cinematography is, is fantastic. We were talking about scores with David's pick. This one was done by, um, I literally Simon had it just Garfunkel. on my head. Simon Garfunkel. Simon Garfunkel. Jesus. I'm off it tonight, guys. Yeah. Paul um, Simon did it. And I got you. It was performed by Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. How do you get better than, than some of those, you know, um, those songs? Good Lord. You guys watch me talk about it now. I mean, I'm lost the train of thought completely. I mean, how do you get better? You go with something other than Simon and Garfunkel. Shut up. You <laughs> don't like Simon and Garfunkel? I don't know. I, I think the, they made music again. before December of 1986. <laughs> <laughs> I think the score is something that just makes this movie what it ended up being. Not to say that the shots, which are incredible, and the acting, which is phenomenal. God, Dustin Hoffman is awkward as fuck. Holy he really shit. Is. Um, and Bancroft is just spot on. Like just the rich white people, man, this is such a rich white people movie. I did uh, not even recognize his dad was Mr. Feeney. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. I, was, I was just looking at the cast and I was like, William Daniels, what the hell? Oh, <laughs> what? Sorry. This anyway. was only, uh, the director, Mike Nichols was only a second movie too. Uh, he was very experimental. He was young at the time. Uh, he also did, He's done a bunch of stuff since then. He did Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf was his first movie. Uh, he did The Birdcage, Charlie oh, Wilson's yeah. War as, as recently as 2007. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. He's had a long career and it really started with this kind of experimental, subversive comedy. This movie is rated PG. Yeah, the but... ratings were different back then. That is true. <laughs> like they only had PG and R and X. Like there wasn't a PG 13. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot. PG 13 came like in December of 1986 or something. <laughs> 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 oh man. Yeah. So that's my pick. Uh, I don't remember where it's streaming. Who? I'll look, hold on. I'll find it. HBO max. It's on HBO, HBO max. max. It's one of the uh, Turner classic movie okay. curated films. So yeah, check it out. It's fantastic. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I think it's a, a must watch for any film one one class. Move on. If we're going to go into, Film 101 class, then I've got to pick 1968 Smash, 2001 A Space Odyssey. This is also streaming on HBO Max. And uh, Stanley Kubrick just, uh, he was blowing minds at this time with his effects and his, again, the score. Like you feel the chills up up your spine as you're going through some of these scenes even today watching it like you know the effects aren't as as good as um as today's but like there's still certain scenes that it, it's like man how the fuck was he doing this in 1968 like he was he was really pushing the boundaries of what uh film and art were at the time he he was incredible so um a, a brief synopsis of this because it's really hard to kind of explain this movie. It's very long. Um, but um, an imposing black structure provides a connection between the past and the future in this enigm enigmatic adaptation of a short story by revered sci-fi author Arthur C. Clarke uh, when Dr. Dave Bowman and other astronauts are sent on a mysterious mission. Their ship's computer system, HAL, 
begins to display increasingly strange behavior, leading up to a tense showdown between man and machine that results in a mind-bending trek through space and time. And yeah, that doesn't even begin to explain what the fuck this movie is because yep. it's it's wild. Like if you this is this is a must-watch film in my opinion. You guys have seen this, I I know. Well, what do you got to say about it? I mean, it's the an absolute epic, right? I mean, it's yeah. How many tropes has this film inspired? Like I, I watched this film before I ever watched this film, just from references, from homages paid by uh, every cartoon that I ever watched, every sitcom that I like over and over and over again, this film has been referenced by everything. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Like you said, it's, it's become this, this, cultural phenomenon at this point where like you said you, you don't have to see it to know what it is um kubrick is an interesting is this the first stanley kubrick movie we've recommended no we did uh, uh clockwork, clockwork orange. orange did we already do clockwork orange okay yeah, yeah. Did clockwork orange yeah that's right um but yeah i mean his his catalog is just so vast um it is. Uh, it, it's. I wanted another uh, another one of his films for today, but it wasn't streaming. We'll talk about that later, though. You want to do that later? You want to just touch on it now? Oh, I mean, if we're talking Kubrick, um, and this is streaming, actually. I just think it's on Showtime or something that's not usually on our list. So if you are uh, a premium subscriber on Hulu with Showtime or, or Stars or whatever it is, I don't remember, sorry, uh, check out Dr. Strangelove. Or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb because holy fuck that is one of the greatest films ever made. I love Doctor Strange Love so much. Yeah, I was pretty bummed out when I found out it wasn't actually on any of our 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 standard streaming fare. Yeah, uh, it was at one point. It was when I when I first picked it. The time we picked it, you picked it, and the time we recorded. So that yeah. sucks. Um, yeah, check out all of Stanley Kubrick's works. They're, they're really good. That's, he's very much the definition of one of those kind of counterculture directors. Um, very experimental, very demanding. There's a lot of stories of him being a complete Royal asshole to everyone he's ever worked with and a perfectionist. And he gets it, man. He, uh, he would definitely not have a job today probably because of, of just how much he, he liked to berate, especially actresses on his film sets to get the, the performance he wanted. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, he's not alone in that as a director. I think that was definitely a popular thing to do in this, this era of film anyway. I yeah. mean, sometimes you just have to torture the perfection out of your actor. I, I mean, Hitch, Hitchcock was a fucking major dick as well. Very true. Um, anyway, we'll move on. Uh, so yeah, check out, uh, 2001, a space odyssey currently streaming on HBO, HBO Mac. David second pick from the 1960s. What do you got? Uh, another icon. I mean, we've, we've all got icons, our, our picks, but, um, Star Trek <laughs> started in 1966. Um, and it started, a. a fucking lifestyle a, a, a movement a way of life um this is right now streaming on hulu um and it is the story of the iconic series star trek follows the crew of the starship uss enterprise as it completes its mission in space in the 23rd century captain james t kirk along with half human half vulcan science officer spock ship doctor bones mccoy ensign pavel chekov 
communications officer, Lieutenant Nyota Uhura, helmsman, Lieutenant Hikaru Sulu, chief engineer, Lieutenant Commander Montgomery, Scotty Scott, confront strange alien races, friendly and hostile alike as they explore unknown worlds. Um, is it the best Star Trek? Some people would uh, make that contention. Um, some people would definitely disagree, but this is what started it all. It, it is an amazing show. It's a little campy. It's a little goofy, but it is so far ahead of its time. So important in, in the, the cultural effect that it has had, that it is probably a must watch. The first interracial kiss on screen, right? Yeah. On TV. Yeah. 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 You're right. A black, a black actress at the helm as well was a big fucking deal for for the '60s. Um, and and I mean, speaking of, uh, I'm speaking of Michelle Nichols. If you haven't heard her tell the story of um, Dr. Martin Luther King coming up to her and encouraging her to stay a part of the cast of Star Trek, I would absolutely recommend looking up that um, that interview and listening to her tell that story. It's I mean, it's just, moving for sure. It really is. It, it uh, the, this show is so important. Um, just from its, its, uh, criticisms, its commentary on, on, uh, the social standards, the social norms. Um, it's important that it's all around. It really is very much. So, um, yeah, that's, like I said, that's, that's one of the reasons that this sixties, era in film i think is is my favorite to to really dive into like culturally historically all of that because there's just so much that happened that that was influenced by the media and the media was influenced by what was going on i don't know it's it's good stuff definitely and while we're on it we just did 2001 we're doing star trek we're in the height of the space race at this point like um science fiction was at a insane peak at this at this time like looking towards the future and and what what space held was so popular and, and it was such a a crazy movement to to have have and it, it it set the the pace for our science fiction that we have today even stuff like the marvel comics and and shit like that this this was really mind-blowing shit um incredible time the 60s for yeah, for film absolutely uh, so yeah, check out Star Trek: The Original Series currently on that place. David said Hulu. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> uh, I'll go. I'll go next, guys. Um, my second pick. This was a tough choice. Like figuring out which ones to go for. Um, yeah, I had a really, time. really hard time. So we'll. We're, I liked your idea, Keith, of of doing another round of these decades, weeks. Once we're all through with them. So anyway. My first pick, or my second pick, shit. I told you guys, it's it's been a long day. Uh, my second pick is the movie If. Um, 1968 it came out. Uh, it's a British movie. Uh, it's about teenage rebel Mick Travis, played by Malcolm McDowell, uh, returns to his upper crust English public, English public school. It's a boarding school. Uh, caught between the sadistic older boys known as the Whips and the first year students known as Scum, who are forced to do their bidding. The petty thefts and antisocial behavior of Travis and his two henchmen, Johnny and Wallace, soon attract the attention of both the whips and the school's out-of-touch administration and leads to an unexpected showdown. 
uh, this has to be the definition of a subversive countercultural movie, right? Um, yeah. It is incredibly dark um, in its humor. Probably, I mean, one of the darkest comedies I've probably ever seen. Uh, incredibly subversive. It it it's Malcolm McDowell's first re- actual movie. I think, like I said, he, before we started this, I was telling Keith he um he'd been in one other movie prior to this, but his part got cut. So really, this is his first movie. Um, it had a huge influence on his casting and the way he played the character of Alex in A Clockwork Orange. Uh, I don't know. I, just, I really liked this movie. I think it's one everybody should watch. Um, it's about two hours long. It, it deals with these incredible themes. I would say the whole main theme of the movie is these kind of stark dichotomies between authority and rebelliousness, between um, tradition and and counterculture. Um, it's just, it's a fantastic movie. Incredibly experimental too in the cinematography. Did you notice that, Keith, when you watched it? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, this was an interesting movie, man. I didn't know what to feel about it when I was first watching it because I was I was confused as as to what it was trying to be. This is my first time watching it, so I was I was putting a fresh set of eyes on it. And at one point, I was I was laughing at the dark humor, and then it was just like, holy shit, what is going on now? Uh, and then you get into some just kind of lighthearted filler and then holy fuck there's some real shit going on and then it was absolutely hilarious and I mean I just didn't know which direction this was 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 taking me in and by the end of it it was like oh fuck that was that was quite a ride this is this is a wild movie it is it is a weird look into like you said this uh rebellious state that these kids are in and yet like the the older generation are so stout in their traditions and stuff. And it's this ongoing war, like literal war between them. Right. And the, I mean, you get, and you even think about when it came out, I mean, it was released in 1968, uh, probably the most tumultuous year in, in both Britain and the U S you know, politically and, and different generations trying to understand, you know, their place and how they need to interact with other generations and, bucking tradition and things like that um it's just i think it was the right movie at the right time uh while also somehow feeling timeless you know it's not like these themes are things that were specific to that decade or that year but um it it, it handles it in a really timeless way while i think still being really germane to when it came out all right i'll bring the conversation the half conversation from the beginning of the show back around that fucking priest teaching those kids then he just kind of walking around and he starts like feeling that one little boy up like it, it was such a fucking weird moment in this movie but also it it was oddly well placed i would say because of the setting of the film and knowing that that was probably going on in these all boys schools constantly like right uh, and that's another thing, right? That's part of the subversion. You you don't see that kind of thing in in movies ten years earlier, you know. Right. You wouldn't see something like that in I don't know whatever a Humphrey Bogart movie. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's a time where they really started becoming experimental and and more political and and saying the quiet part out loud in in a way to you know shine a light on these things that were actually happening. Uh, and you know, now I mean, knew that 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 kind of abuse was happening, but nobody talked about it. And yeah, now David I mean, you just see a, a priest next to a, a child and you start sweating. Yeah. Like you know that joke's coming if it's if it you're seeing that in a movie, even if it's just like 
slightly hinted at that joke is coming, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the, like I said, the way the cinematography was done, it, it really leaves a lot of those scenes feeling like, was that real? Did that happen in yeah. the movie? Like, was, was that a hallucination? Was it a dream? Um, you know, a lot of the things that these like really surreal moments in the movie, um, it, it's masterfully done in the way to make, again, to make you think that, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure if that was real or a hallucination. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. Um, so yeah, I think everybody should check it out. Like I said, Malcolm McDowell's first real movie, um, set the tone for, for, you know, some of his more prominent works like a clockwork orange and, and quite a twist quite a twist there in the movie so check it out if currently streaming on amazon prime and with that we will wait you didn't you didn't say the full it's if dot 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 that's true correct i'm sorry i did not say the full title title (laughs) if dot 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 four dots four dots four um more dots more dots more dots ellipses plus one yes uh go ahead we'll move on Keith. <laughs> All right. Wrap it up. I, got Bring the, it I got the final pick of the night. And this is, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say this now just because it, it's probably my favorite pick of the night. Uh, this, this might be my favorite pick out of the 60s. I love this movie. Mel Brooks, it doesn't get much better than that. Fuck it. 1968, The Producers. Holy shit. This movie is hilarious to this day. Absolutely hilarious! It his it's his first uh, motion picture as a director writer. He did the uh, original music. He did all the songs. Uh, he's a fucking genius. Um, he gets Gene Wilder and uh, Zero Mostel Mostel. I think is Zero Mostel to play as Mostel his his lead roles and the way they play off of each other. They take comedy to a new level. You know, Mel Brooks is a brilliant writer and a brilliant director in that he can write something that he knows he can direct and he'll cast somebody he knows he can direct in his writing. Gene Wilder was allowed to ad lib, which was not really a thing that was done a lot in film. Your script was your script and you did it as if you were on stage. And Gene Wilder was just the perfect choice to come in and just hit comedy nails on the head over and over again. Like his ad libbing abilities with Mel Brooks direction, they, they carried on to make many more films that we'll probably talk about in more of these decades picks because Holy fuck. Almost but, definitely. Yeah. We're coming in we're coming into the Mel Brooks era. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the producers kicked it all off. This is such a brilliant film. I know you guys have seen it. Uh, what, what do you got to say about it? It's great. It's it is absolutely irreverent. It's outrageous. It's hilarious. Gene Wilder is an amazing actor. He's such a comedic genius. Springtime for Hitler is terribly offensive. And <laughs> I, I it's catchy. <laughs> oh catchy. It's stuck in my head. All the time. <laughs> I. Uh, you bringing up gene wilder because i that was what i noticed the most i think this this time this watch through was his manic performance yeah I mean, just constant constant uh non-stop motion uh of his character over the top um in he's how he's getting so red-faced it. like 
Yeah. You could see like his actual body reactions to his own acting. It was fucking wild. Yeah, he he did a fantastic job. I, I loved his performance in this movie. Uh, and like you said, it was Mel Brooks's. Well, it wasn't very far into his career, right? This is his first uh, first motion picture that he direct. Uh, he was the director writer. He did the music for it. He was right. a screenwriter for an earlier film in the '60s, but uh, that that was I don't think anybody knows Mel Brooks movie. Yeah, this was yeah. this is the one to kick it off, to kick it all off. Right. One award. Um, it was well received by critics. Like, how could you not love this movie? It's got a ninety percent critic review, eighty five percent audience review. Uh, like you said, springtime for Hitler. It just is so good, <laughs> so good. Yeah. I so also funny. have to mention the the remake is um, with Matt, Matthew Broderick and yeah, yeah, Nathan yeah, yeah. Um, was also phenomenal. Um, if you got time and if it's, I, I don't know if that one's streaming, check it out, but um, watch the original, the producers uh, it's on HBO. Uh, I can't recommend this movie enough. Uh, just as a, an extra little tidbit, it looks like the new one is on Peacock, right? Oh, hey. cool. Uh, right on. Check it out. Check out the producers. Um, where was that one? HBO. HBO. I really should look this up before. Otherwise I'm just scrambling every week. <laughs> You got a keyboard right in front of you, man. You like type it in quick. Yeah, but we put a lot of stuff on the pinned board, you know, so I have to scroll back really far. And, you know, who wants to do that? Not me. Exactly. Uh, That's it. Those are our picks. Those are our Decades Week Volume 3 1960s picks. Go check them out. Lots of great stuff there. Uh, I'm already looking forward to circling back on the 60s at some point in the future. um, And we'll have some even even more great picks for you. Guys, do we have a uh, a warning this week? I know we don't often do a warning for for decades, weeks. Um, no, I kind of had that the honorable mention with Doctor Strange Love, so I wasn't really thinking of poop. There's so many great films that I I I couldn't even pick which ones I wanted to pick, let alone find a bad one to pick. Yeah, All exactly. It's been that, filtered out through the you know looking back this far is nobody remembers the shitty movies because they were yeah. there were plenty. That's um, what I was saying. Like all the poop's been filtered out, but through the screen of time. Exactly. Yeah. Unless it was like was so like bad, it was good. That that type yeah. of that right. Type of thing. Yeah. I can bitch about Grey's Anatomy some more if you want. Yes, bitch about Grey's Anatomy. Some more. <laughs> I was joking. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, n- no warning this week, everyone. Just uh, check these movies out. Only watch yeah. those this week, and you won't have to worry about coming across something you don't like. You get two extra recommendations. What was the second one? The producers, the new producers. Oh, the new producers. There you go. Eight picks for the price of six. God damn. That doesn't roll off the tongue very well, but whatever. Fucking value. Value. I mean, there's a French value. Okay. It's great value. Great value. Like the Walmart brand of podcasts. I would I was just gonna say this isn't a Walmart great value bullshit. This is an actual great value. <laughs> oh man. All right, we'll wrap it up. Guys, thank you. Uh it was a great episode, I think. It's probably I don't know, you know, it's fun. That's yeah, you think a lot of stuff. Yeah, probably. But stuff. Uh anyway, thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to check us out on all those things like Twitter and Facebook and uh discord that's one our website three guys one up.com check that out on that website you will also find a link to our patreon where you can join 
give us five dollars a month uh get very special things like us saying thank you a lot uh in order to i wasn't supposed to wait sorry (laughs) you know we'll produce these shows yeah don't don't thank them here i'd take my thanks away now that now there is no maybe we can make one of the patreon goals they can look at the gifts that we post for each other that's great like the sexy one i'm looking at right now (laughs) in my butt (laughs) i i don't sure it's in your butt. <laughs> anyway, uh, subscribe to our Patreon, please. We need it. We need it. Um, and that's it. That's the show. Thanks, uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, we will see you all next week with another fantastic episode. Uh, and that's it. Good night, everyone. Bye. Good night. Good night.